Now, what's funny is, and I don't know if funny is exactly the right word, when I envisioned this show, when we started talking about it a few weeks ago, and granted, yes, we know we're a little bit late, but obviously there's been, I don't know, something minor coming up in the world (laughs) here lately, but when I originally envisioned this show, I figured we would be talking about something non-topical that I had seen on online in a bunch of arguments and I thought it was actually a good topic to discuss with you and that topic being where do rights come from and it was interesting seeing how each one of the groups and these were fairly liberty-minded people some of them very what liber- groups are you talking about you gonna step back for a minute um, people that consider themselves libertarians okay. anarchists um, basically those that mainly are in the liberty movement but we're having a discussion about where do rights come from and that it may sound maybe silly on the onset but i think it's a question that bears a little bit of answering and then we had this massive outbreak of coronavirus and what have you and i think it would dovetail nicely into that discussion now before we get into the stuff that has been plaguing our news feeds and our news see what i did there i have a feeling it's going to be a long uh, recording session today quite potentially (laughs) when you're stuck in the house (laughs) as much as i have been unfortunately yes it, it, it probably will but with the rights thing before i say anything i i kind of want to get your take so I, I don't potentially, I don't know, muddy the waters or do mm-hmm. anything or try to influence you. Okay, so what are you wanting from me? Well, a million dollars. Where do rights come from? Yeah, where do right? Where do you think? And this is not a yes, no, right, wrong, black and white thing. But for you, the entire liberty movement is based on human rights. In fact, I, I would argue that society is based on human rights or at least it should be the society we want to see but for you if someone was going to ask you where do we get our rights from what would you say that's such a broad question i'm sorry um is it because we're human are they god-given rights or do they come from someone else does government grant us our rights Well, again, it it, depend, it depends on how you approach the question. I mean, if you are looking at our government versus others and where do those rights come from, then obviously, yes, some of them are granted by the government within the societal uh, construct that you live in. If you're asking just in the more hypothetical sense, where do we get our rights or where are they born of? Um, man, I'm, <laughs> the only thing I can really say is I think rights... Um, in general, and forgive me, guys. I'm. I'm. He literally. This is a completely cold question, so I haven't <laughs> pre-thought about this Surprise. at all. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I haven't had a brain workout since you know quarantine started, so it's good. Um, I don't know. It, well, hold on. I don't know if there can be a solid answer to that. I, I, I think um, rights are things that. Any person, regardless of age, origin, socioeconomic status, whatever you, what have you, um, they possess. Not me, not even possess, but um, man, because every word I think of is like a roadblock. Can I say, or is it something they're entitled to, or should hopefully have access to as a human being? That I guess I could put it that way. Well, let me ask some probing questions here. Okay. One of the things you said um, was that maybe, and maybe I misunderstood you, that rights may come from government. Do you think that if rights come from government, that it can be as egalitarian as you want it? Meaning that it's equal across age? Well, of course it's not. That, that's what I'm okay. saying. It depends on 
the way in which you are asking the question. So where do rights come from is so broad. You know, in certain societies, you know, there are certain rights afforded to people, whereas in others, that is not a right afforded to people. That's what I'm saying. So, So, um, and sorry to jump in there. I'm trying to lead here. No, you're fine. Go ahead. So would you say rights come from the society in which you live, not necessarily from the government? I think there are times that that is the case. If you look at any societal construct around the world today 50 years ago 100 years ago you know not everybody had access to in an equitable way the same things can society decide to revoke your rights if you get enough of them together i think they can can or are they justified maybe maybe that's i wouldn't one. say it's always justified no i mean if, if you're going down to the same basic principles that we've discussed many times over the course of this podcast should they be justified and being taken? I guess it depends on what your actions have been as well. Right. And and that's a very good point. Keep in mind, if I murder someone, then I have given up, at least in proportion to my crime, my rights. Mm-hmm. And in that case, but could society unilaterally decide you no longer have the right to life? I'm putting a gun to your head. Taking away life, I think, is a drastic uh, measure. But, I mean, (laughs) we are emotional beings. And I can say that now, not having anyone that I'm in that circumstance with. um, But, man, I can tell you, anybody ever hurt my kids or my family? All bets are off. Right. And in in that case, you've got someone that has given up a proportion of their rights in proportion to the crime Mm -hmm. that they have committed. This is more of a unilateral thing where, and I I don't want to necessarily jump right to Corona. I want to stay on this just for a moment. No, you're fine. But, um, for instance, Italy has decided that if you're over a certain age because they can't treat everyone, we're not going, they're deciding who lives and who dies. Well, but again, you, you can't make unilateral decisions for everybody in a circumstance like that. They're, they are essentially in triage mode right now. I understand that. And I'm not faulting them. These are just questions. No, I understand that. I'm just referring back to what you said, you know, when you said discussing unilaterally, you can't. There's so much that goes into a, into a circumstance, uh, I'm sorry, a situation depending on the circumstance that goes in. I mean, where, where I'm going with this, um, th- that actually lends credibility to what you're saying, where society has, let's say in the case of an emergency, the ability to revoke all of your rights, including the most basic right, which is a right to live. Now, I, I hate to even say a right to live because that, if it's a positive right, then you get to demand services, products from someone else, which would be the case here. But when you have finite resources mm-hmm. and they are your resources to give or distribute, then at what point are you inhibiting upon the person's rights to distribute right. as they see fit? This is a modern day trolley problem mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. You've got an elderly person on one track and you've got five healthy people on the other track. Which one do you allow to die? Right. And, and and I'm not, this again is not a right versus wrong. I just, I wanted to get your take on it. Now where a lot of the argumentation came from at least within these circles, was where the rights come from. Are they God-given rights? Well, if you're going to state that claim, then you have to believe in, of course, a God, or at least some supernatural extra entity that, Mm -hmm. that exists that has the ability to confer upon you and everyone else these rights. Some say, and I, God, I don't know why these guys were in uh, these particular discussions, but they believe that rights come from government, that government dictates it. Now, I'll take you off the hot seat, and I, I'll put myself on it. I don't think that rights really come from anywhere. And what I mean by that is that I, I can't say it's because I'm a human. I can't say it's because I'm metacognitive. Cognit- oh, good Lord. I possess metacognition. There it is. Metacognitive. Ooh, that's the word I was trying to go for. Good <laughs> Lord, that's a tongue twister. But um, 
I can make all these assertions and say, this is why I have these rights. But how do I back that up? What proof do I have? What logic, what reason gets you there? Now, the reality is, in my opinion, and I've delved into this with my atheist background, because morality, of course, if you're an atheist, you have no morality, at least that's what people will say. And if you're an anarchist, you have no ethics, because, of course, most people think that government is where ethics come from. Mm -hmm. So, how do you solve this? For me, rights, ethics, even morality, if you want to use that word, I would argue are emergent properties of society. That societies that value human life, societies that value cooperation, for instance, are the societies on a long scale that do the best. Obviously, if you don't value human life, people are not going to procreate the way that they do in a society that is secure and they know that their offspring are going to be secure in. Right. So in that case, we've learned as as a society, whether you want to say, maybe even culturally, that if I harm you, even outside of the existence of a legal system, the likelihood of people that care about you seeking revenge or seeking retribution against me is going to be very, very high. Mm -hmm. Likewise, if even if I don't hurt you, but say I steal from you or I violate contractual law, meaning you pay me X number of dollars to perform a service and I don't perform that service, that that is going to ding my reputation and cause me to go out of business or have other people not dealing with me. So from that aspect, I don't think we necessarily have any rights, or at least they're not given. It is a construct within society. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to violate them. Now, the entire liberty movement is built upon the understanding of these rights and the adherence to this construct. But, hell, let's just say some aliens came down or... Maybe there's some creature we find in the deep that is actually metacognitive. Metacognitive. Good God, I'm struggling with that word today. Well, you just just say the M word. The M word. They're going to the think M-word. I'm saying motherfucker, because that's usually my M word. Let's be well, honest. Well, why don't you just use that one instead? Since clearly you can say that one, but you can't say metacognitive. Okay, so we find another creature that's meta. That's Motherfucker. That's a motherfucker. Yeah, okay. there you go. All right. So for the rest of this, if I say <laughs> another creature that's a motherfucker, you know what I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> but, um, and we look at them and say, no, you can't kill us. We have rights. Do you think it's going to fly? Fuck no. They're not going to care. And, and that's what I mean. It's not like the laws of physics. It's not like A squared plus B squared equals C squared, which is something that exists regardless of who who is viewing it for instance you know it's non-subjective rights are not so with that in mind and i i knew we would never be able to discuss this for an hour but i i find it very interesting overlaying that with what's currently going on all over the world right and before we shift into that discussion, what did you think about what I say? Do you agree, disagree, think I'm full of shit? Well, no, I don't I don't think you're full of it in this instance. Um, Score one for me, guys. <laughs> no, like you said, it's just, it's an impossibility to have it unilateral. You know, mathematics mm-hmm. is absolute. Mm-hmm. It's the same, as you said, across the board. Anytime you are dealing with anything within the human race, it I, I think we are in a large part, um, for lack of a better analogy or metaphor, just we are a large gray area. So mm-hmm. much is dependent upon circumstances, the people involved, the history. I mean, no, there's you, just you, a lot of things that go into it because emotion is a factor. It absolutely is. And one of the biggest emotions we're seeing right now is fear. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know... Fear or denial. Both of them. Yeah. And and the two together make a 
particularly bad mix. Mm-hmm. But let's say two months ago, three months ago, before this washed up on our shores, or at least as far as we knew, I don't think people would have been okay with a complete government shutdown of a bunch of businesses or a government saying, you can't go here. You can't leave your house, you know, in New Jersey, for instance, after 830. The shut-ins? The shut-ins, the quarantines, the uh, shelter in place, all these Mm -hmm. great words that have these fear connotations built into it so that you swallow it easier. But you mix in the emotion, like you said, and suddenly logic is flushed down the toilet, which along with all the paper towels and other stuff that people are having to use in in lieu of toilet paper. Um, yeah. I'm going to say there's a small subset that's fine with toilet paper. For mm-hmm. the next eight years, fine with toilet paper. Yeah. And then you have my house of four people. <laughs> Down to three rolls going, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's your ration of TP. Literally having to go to my youngest and say, okay, if if you're going number one, <laughs> you only need two little squares. Fold them in half, clean, you know. Because uh, she's one of those, just pull it, let it roll, wad into a ball. So it's it's having to kind of retrain our thinking. But, you know, there's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Less no. waste. So Absolutely. But seeing this fear kind of rise up in the American public, and and it's all over the world, but Obviously, we don't live all over the world. We can only look at what's coming out on news, and most of us are pretty suspect of what we see online, but you don't have to be very smart in order to realize what's going on. All you got to do is go to a grocery store or go to a Walmart or whatever your version of it is there with people robbing toilet paper out of someone else's buggy. Yeah. Not, Not their purse. Their fucking toilet paper. And I agree, it's it's kind of a necessity, but you know, when this first started, my first thoughts were, shouldn't you be stocking up on food? Because if you don't eat anything, you're not going to have to paper. worry about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But that's not what... No, the first happened. run was for toilet paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. The first time I, I made it to the store, once the initial rush, because I mean, and, and you know our house, we, we do a decent job. You and my husband work you know, together and you guys have done the planning and things like that before, um, emergency scenario planning, I guess I should say. Um, so, I mean, we have a store of, of canned goods and some, um, dry goods, dry goods, things along those lines. But, you know, and at the time I was still working days and didn't have to worry about a lot of that other stuff. But the first time I did make it to the store, uh, of course this was at post the first TP run. So I automatically knew that wasn't there. But uh, it was odd seeing what was gone. You know, at that time, there was still meat and stuff on the shelves. But um, but no toilet paper. But no toilet paper. Or paper right? towels. But canned soups, still full. Um, rice and stuff was gone, which, okay. Um, but like canned beans, things along those lines, still plenty to choose from. All the tomatoes, canned tomatoes were gone. It was just this weird balance, like looking around going, who? Okay, clearly nobody taught you to prioritize here what you need. But uh, yeah, the ramen, all Mm -hmm. gone. I still can't get over that. Right. But, you know, for a lot of people, though, I think most, not most, but I think there's a large number of people who who aren't familiar with with cooking anything outside of a pre-designated instruction box. And, you know, ramen is add water and, and microwave. If it doesn't so. say preheat oven to 350 degrees, cook for, or place in microwave yeah. for X amount of time, most people are lost. And yeah. I, I'm not bagging on those people. There, there no, are a lot of them that don't have the time. Not only don't have the time, but have had never been in a situation where I think with any sense of realistic expectation felt that this was something they would ever really need to know. Mm-hmm. I think you, you get comfortable with complacency and the assumption that everything will always be available because we've lived in a society for, you know, decades now where if you need it, it is there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's a sharp learning curve for a lot of people right now, my kids included, 
you know, they're, they're getting irritated with me because I'm not letting them go and just grab whatever they want to eat to snack on all the time. It's just one of those where we don't know how much the supply chain has been impacted yet. Or will be impacted. Or can, will continue to be impacted. So it's just, you know, are you really hungry right now? If not, great. Get a drink of water and you can wait, you can wait till dinner. Or the thing I've been facing with mine is they're used to being able to go open a package, eat a little bit, open another package of something else, eat a little bit. And you've got all these open packages. And once you open them, the clock starts ticking, the clock starts ticking. Absolutely. And trying to get them in the mindset that no, we're not opening. I, I just got back from the grocery store. You're not opening every single container of stuff that I got to get a spoonful or to get a handful of whatever's in it. Reading one thing all the way through its completion and prioritizing based on the date that is going to expire. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. And I can only imagine how many people are out there that have never had to cook or never been exposed to this. Now, if you grew up poor, which I did, and this isn't a woe is me kind of thing, I'm actually kind of grateful for it right now. And I know that sounds stupid, but I immediately, and as you mentioned, uh, your husband and I have talked about this over many beers over the last few years. I went back to the staples that were given to us while we were on welfare. And I'm old enough that there was no such thing as a wick card. It was, you get a sack of flour, you get a sack of beans, you get rice, caro syrup, and government cheese. And that's about it. And they would mix Mm -hmm. a few other things in it, maybe some dehydrated vegetables, soups, like you said. But a lot of it was stuff that could store for a very long time. And you had to learn to make something different with this stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you begin to value the, the seasonings. You can begin to experiment with different ways, which is good. But seeing people load up on carts of ramen noodles, for instance, which have almost no nutrition value whatsoever. You know, it's not just the ramen noodle side of that for me, though. I mean, it's it's the extreme levels. People are hoarding items. And it's not just the people who resell, like the guys who went, what is it, they dropped like, had 17,000 bottles of, of antibacterial stuff to sell for a much, I mean, I think they had some bottles they were selling for like 30 or 40 bucks a bottle. And um, what's funny is what you just said. This is a virus. Yes. And it's antibacterial. Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) I get it. Believe me. But uh, now that people are starting to go, oh, hey, yeah, you know, this is important. Like uh, I went out and got a big 25 pound bag of flour. We make our own bread. We do things along those lines here at home. And uh, initially that was there. And so I said, okay, this will be enough to get our family through, you know, probably at least a month if we were baking really regularly. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to grab four or five of these right now. And no. there was not, even at that time, a ton of them. Just I was at uh, Sam's Club. So, you know, a lot of the larger stores and things come through and they'll get the bigger bags. And then the next time I went through, of course, everything's completely gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then those are the people that are coming through in just their regular carts and they are grabbing four bags and they are grabbing the maximum amount they can fit of these. And I mean, I saw a lady with like a three of those big flat cart, mm-hmm. what are they, pallet carts, um, carrying these things out. And it was just, I mean, and I can't speak. I didn't know for sure who she was. Obviously, maybe she has a very large family. I, I don't know. Or maybe she runs a restaurant. Maybe she runs a restaurant. I, again, can't speak for that. But in general, there are people that are going out and just, I mean, buying as many of these things as they can. And I get the knee jerk. But, you know, I'm also trying to consider, you know, other members within my own family that also need to go out and shop for their families and their kids. And while, yes, I I absolutely support getting the materials that you feel you need, uh, grabbing the excessive amounts, like the people who are getting all the toilet paper, obviously, and things like that, um, I, I just have a hard time justifying that in my own mind. You know, there's not much pasta left anywhere so I, I went shopping this morning with my husband and there was only like three little things of pasta so we of uh, the whole wheat and then the regular protein so we grabbed one of each and left the other ones on the shelves for those who may need them so it's just it's it's interesting seeing 
the directions that it goes. And maybe, you know, maybe I am being foolish and not stockpiling enough for my family for a three, four, six, 12 month supply. <laughs> but, and, uh, and hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully not. But I, I just, I can't turn off that, that button in my brain that says, you know, do we realistically need all of this at this point? No. No. And do we have enough? And I, I think you and I, both of our families are in pretty decent shape as far as being able to survive on staples. There are, again, a lot of people that if there's not a frozen lasagna or frozen pizza there, they're not going to know what to do. If it's not a box dinner, they're screwed. Mm -hmm. Now is the time, in my opinion, to start developing those skills that are necessary. And we've never been faced with trying to survive. Again, if you grew up poor, especially when you were young, you're closer to it there. But even then, it's most times you have a roof over your head. You've got running water. You've got electricity. So it's not even, and we're not even at the really bad point. What scares me is seeing how people are reacting and are just going bat shit crazy. And I, I can't figure out why. Is it because they fear for themselves you know and, and again I, I i can understand that survival is hard encoded in into most of our dna that's our prime directive is to get our genetic material into the future but this is going beyond survival now again are you going to be rewarded for being altruistic no not necessarily i i think you should absolutely if you can Maybe provide for your family and help them out. You know, try to get what extra, but it's a hard decision. You know, even when I go to the store, it says you can take, uh, I think we're on the limit of like two eggs, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, two dozen eggs. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, don't go to that store. <laughs> but even then, you know, my knee jerk is to get the maximum that I absolutely can. But then I'm torn. What about the next guy? You know, there was probably maybe 18, maybe 20 containers of eggs that were out there. If I grab these two, that's one less for someone that may not get off of work today till after 5 o'clock. But again, is my survival more important? That Again, the gray area where it comes in with people, the, the logic versus the emotion of it. So, I mean, you're asking why people are doing this. I... <laughs> It may be stupid, but every time somebody asks me something along those lines, I always think of that quote from um, Men in Black, that first movie with Tommy Lee Jones, when a person he asks, right? He asks him, he's like, "Well, you know what? People are good people. Why don't you just tell them what's going on?" And he's like, "Well, you know, a person is smart, but people are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it." And I think I, <laughs> even when I saw that movie the first time, I was like, "Wow, that's really true." When you really start digging down and thinking about it person you can talk to a person you can reason with most of the time you can and i think a lot of where the fear comes from is you do not know how the other person is going to react and well the fear in general with this one is we don't know not just how people are going to react but we don't know what's coming still right yeah and that's part of what i mean is that almost 100 percent of the uncertainty i'd say at least the vast, vast majority of the uncertainty out there right now, whether it be the markets, whether it be going to the store, is you don't know how your fellow humans have behaved at that store. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're going to have the necessary goods. The supplies are not in less, um, less supply, I guess. That's the only way you can say it. The demand has severely outpaced the market. So you've got this artificial... I don't know what you want to call it, this artificial gravity that's been applied and it's causing people to overbuy stuff that they normally wouldn't. And the supply chain is trying to compensate. But right now we're at war with ourselves, really and truly. No, I agree. And the actions of our fellow human beings are going to be more dangerous than this disease. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not making light of it, even though it's got a, a very high survival rate. 
it can severely damage the lungs and the, uh, the ability to process oxygen for anyone it infects. So again, not making light of it. But um, there was, uh, and I can't remember who asked this question, but he was going around, he was asking people about living in an anarchist society. What would you do if there were no laws about speeding and all this stuff? Well, I, I would be worried what my neighbor is going to do. I would be worried that someone's going to come and rob me, steal from me, kill me, rape me. And then he looked at him and said, what's funny is that's the exact same thing your neighbor said. Everyone fears the actions of each other. So we invent this construct called government, which is supposed to be an impartial third party, and then fail to realize it's full of people. And then mm-hmm. give them the right. I, right's a bad word. My apologies. They have the power to harm us with impunity. So in order to to fight what may or may not happen from a neighbor, we make something absolutely sure is going to happen from our government. Does that make sense? What I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. I- it does. A lot of this fear, I think, would go away if we had the ability to get to know the people around us. <laughs> and then again, I'm not going to lie, there's some people that, um, if I got to know, might increase that fear. Right, but I mean, now with all the quarantines and things going on, we have a unique opportunity to get to know each other at a distance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and engage in, in conversations in a relatively safe, quote-unquote, manner. And what is... Another great opportunity, and I guess we'll go ahead and segue into this here. We're going to do something a little bit different for our commercial break today. Instead of singing the praises of Anchor like we usually do, we're going to talk about other podcasts within the Liberty Movement community. Uh, One of those that we have worked with um, closely, especially with uh, Nick Picone, is Peace Freaks. And it's actually spelled like frequency, R R F R E Q S, but you can actually get to their website using the other version of Freaks. This is a, and for those of you that listen to a lot of podcasts, used to be Sounds of Liberty, but they have recently rebranded. He and his co-host Lizzie, that um, he's married to, spend a lot of time interviewing people that are within the Liberty Movement. And are trying to develop a community that are no longer taking part in this culture war. And it really is a culture war. You've got the Republican right with the culture of war. You've got the um, liberal left with the social justice and what have you. And neither one of those movements focus on the individual. So if you get an opportunity especially during this quarantine, because I think we'll have lots of opportunities to explore new things. Check out Peace Freaks. They're a really fun podcast. I enjoy listening to it, uh, and they have some really insightful guests on there, which would be a great way to get to know other members of the Liberty Movement community. No, it's definitely a, a site and a podcast you should check out. You know, anything that gets people talking and listening to the ideas of others and perspectives of others, obviously, we're always 100% behind. So um, I'm thanking um, I'm thanking you. Sorry. <laughs> I thank you for making sure that we got uh, the other podcasts mentioned. That's uh, something we don't get an opportunity to do very often or have not taken advantage of. Then I'm glad to see that we're, we're starting to do more. And I think it's important to help build this community because a lot of us exist like these little islands out on the ocean and... As many of us like to joke, but it's not really a joke. It's like herding cats trying to get anarchists (laughs) and liberty lovers together. Because there's no flag or no banner that we rally to other than individual liberty and freedom. And that only goes so far. Yeah. No, that's very true. You know, you mentioned something a few minutes ago regarding the, the power being held within governments. With the current situation that we're in right now. Uh, with the spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19, COVID, is it COVID or COVID? I think it's COVID-19. Um, You're asking the wrong person on how to pronounce stuff. <laughs> I'm more just kind of thinking out loud. Okay. It's like, oh, that didn't sound quite right. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, we, we are in a, in a societal construct currently that responds to the authority of government. And with the situation at hand, I mean, they're trying to put these mandates in place and they're recommending people stay quarantined. But, you know, like we are in the middle of March right now. It is spring break time and you've got situations where the positive cases are exponentially growing each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have situations like the one down in, in Miami right now where the beaches are completely packed full of the majority being younger, uh, 20-somethings down trying to enjoy their spring break and not really taking any of it very seriously where in they're order pra- they're practicing social distancing i uh, i assure you there's no one kissing random people they just met 10 minutes ago and getting into these little hotel rooms <laughs> and partying that's just not happening of course not take it back okay sure uh, <laughs> but you know there there is a time now where you know if if we're not going to be following you know what's going on in italy right now i mean they're they're a small example of of the dangers that this virus really represents i mean if you look at the numbers as of i mean we're recording on uh saturday march 22nd and as of the numbers reported today through the new york times let me actually double check this really quick um they reported just today they've had an additional 793 deaths in one day it is by far the highest number of single day deaths they've had which puts their overall number italy, dead right? this is in italy yeah okay. so that puts them at nearly 40 uh, they have over 53,000 recorded infections and that puts them over 5500 dead which is raised the i mean the rate of death for this virus now is climbing up over 8% so it's it's a scary thing you know, they've actually surpassed China as the country with the highest death toll and have kind of become the new epicenter of this whole thing. But when it, you're... Isn't that due largely to the fact that they... I think the word you used was triage, where they're just letting people die that are over a certain age or have certain underlying medical conditions. There is that circumstance going on because they're having to prioritize what materials Correct. and medicines and equipment they have available. Available. So, uh, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to get to is mm-hmm. that it's not that maybe Italians are more susceptible to it. No, it has it's nothing to that, do with that. Or that they, and I'm not saying they handled it correctly either, but... A lot of the death, I would wager, is due to the fact that their medical system is overwhelmed. Completely. And that's, I think, the point a lot of people are missing. They keep referring back to, well, yeah, you know, the odds of me dying from it are super low. It's not a big deal. It's the fact that because this virus is has such a high communicability factor, I mean, extraordinarily high, and you can have one person spread it to hundreds before they're even really symptomatic. Mm-hmm. is what makes this so incredibly dangerous. And the fact that when you are spreading it to people in a very short amount of time, that means you have an exponential increase in the number that's infected that reached that point of critical uh, metal, medical needs around the same time. And then you have the floods hitting the hospitals. Yeah, if it was highly communicable, but had a incubation period of, let's say, like 24 hours, this disease would be less problematic than it is now mm-hmm. because you can cause a lot of damage. Right. And I think you have waiting. like a 10-day period somewhat Incubation. where you are, right, uh, contagious without even realizing you're spreading this yeah, to other people. I, I don't know how many days, but it, it's too many. Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of this, though, Korea seems to be doing a much better job. What's Do you know what the difference is? Uh, I think they jumped onto the response a lot faster. And that's kind of what I was talking about where just and i know we talk a lot about you know taking the power away from government but the way things are right now this is the the societal construct that we have where you need to have that government step in to get people to go inside their fucking houses i mean at this point they're not rationally thinking enough as an individual level to respond to this and that's one of the things that happened within italy is that it was very kind of a piecemeal pullback I'm going to say no. Okay, and that's fine. And that's why we, we have these discussions. I'm just saying w- where things are structured currently without with people responding so ardently to that Big Brother figure, 
I mean, it's like your your sibling telling you, hey, you should stay inside versus your dad coming in saying, hey, sit your ass down, you're done. The only difference there would be the CDC has recommended it and you've got state and local governments Mm -hmm. that are saying you can only gather in groups of 10. But in the face of that, with the article you just posted, people are ignoring that and that's coming from the government. So they're not responding. But the problem is... But they are in the areas where they've got these shut-ins and stuff, which I'm not recommending that. Don't don't take it as me saying, oh, the government needs to step in and bring in martial that's law. that's what it sounds like you're saying. I'm not going down that line. I'm saying that the response to how serious this was, and this was, in, in Italy at least, they had, they're, they're the dog chasing their tail. They got the tail chasing the dog or whatever the phrase is. Which one is it? Well, tails usually <laughs> don't chase. You got the tail wagging the dog. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Go. Right where they're constantly kind of running behind the virus. Yeah, it's like a snowball running down the hill, and you're trying to catch up, and it gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster. Right, and that's what's kind of happened there, is that they were, what is that, reacting in it. They were reactionary as opposed to being proactive. Correct. And And that's the difference with South Korea, is that they stepped in, and it wasn't just the government, uh taking control like right now we're relying on that for our (laughs) the government primarily for our testing kits and things within the u.s south korea did away with all that brought in private companies saying hey you find a way of testing for this go we will get it printed we will printed we will get it produced whatever we've got to do and we will get this um, taken care of so that way they are testing all of their people those that are pos- testing positive are immediately quarantined. Okay. There's a couple things we need to unpackage. One, um, here in the United States, we're not relying on the government to provide the testing kits. The government stood in the way of private companies That's what produ- I'm saying. producing yes. the kits. So the argument that Big Brother needs to be involved is counterintuitive. Hold on. Let me finish all this. And, and I know you're not saying government needs to be involved in all of this. No, but I am saying that, you know, with the amount of information that they have available, I mean, you have South Korea's government that is stepping in and behaving in a proactive way, where you had the Italian government behaving more in the way that the U.S. has, where they are reacting to things as opposed to getting proactive and getting ahead of it. And and I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. So that, um, you know, for our listener here, the, the thing that Korea did that was remarkable is there were no barriers to producing the tests. And they are able to test at a significantly higher rate than the United States. And I think I've actually got, um, yeah, I've got the st- statistics right here where South Korea has already tested more than 270,000 people, which is roughly equivalent to 5,200 tests per million inhabitants. United States, 74 per million. They can't produce a test. But the other thing that South Korea did is instead of doing massive quarantines where no one can go to work, no one can mm-hmm. do these things, they went to a diagnose, diagnostic style of um, treating this where they were very quick to identify people that were sick and remove them as opposed to everyone else. Because let's face it, if you're at home and you have it and you don't know you have it and you're in there with your family, you just infected three or four more people. Mm-hmm. As opposed to knowing you have it and you going to a hospital and not infecting all these other people. And that's the major difference. Right. Is, but they had a, um, I don't know if you remember this, the, I think it was the MERS uh, virus. They had a catastrophic response to it several years ago. And, and they, they learned, learned from it. They absolutely learned yep. from it was that what we need to do is identify the people and remove them as... Um, contaminant or infection vectors that's Mm -hmm. the word i'm looking for they wanted to remove as many infection vectors as possible but the economy still needs to roll because it takes money to treat these people it takes money to produce toilet paper as we're seeing right now right i i've done a terrible job like explaining this clearly but this is all kind of off the cuff so forgive me for not having this delivered in the most organized way uh, for me, it's it's this is the society. These are the societies that we have right now, and the response to it from the powers that be currently is what's making a big difference here. You know, yeah, we have seventy four tests per million versus uh, 
right inhabitants within our country. But hey, the good news is all of our athletes and celebrities are totally tested whenever they want to. And that's become, I think, one of the new ways of of gaining likes and listeners is, hey, I tested positive. But I'm extraordinarily frustrated. And we talked about this a little bit coming over at, um, you know, there are people being turned away because there's no available tests who are uh, high level communicators. Uh, Is that the word for it? Or communicators um, i don't be uh, not communicators uh they come into contact with many people okay i i don't know how else to phrase it they're very uh, large contamination or infection vectors they're okay that sounds much more scientific uh <laughs> thank you but they're being turned away even though they are displaying symptoms that very strongly resemble and saying well hey just go home come back if it gets worse which along the way going home, like you said, they're infecting their families, they're infecting anyone they come into contact with on their way home, because there's not enough tests. Yet, hey, you know, if you have the right social status within our country, hey, we got a test for you because of who you are. I just and that's extraordinarily frustrating for me. And I don't know if you saw this already a few minutes ago, um, before we started recording, I saw that Rand Paul has tested positive one of the senators again i'm not saying anyone should be denied testing by any stretch of the imagination but what we're prioritizing seems a little shitty but you that, know that's indicative of of the status of our country though you don't matter unless you have a certain number of followers you know you have these these fucking youtubers that are going out and they're able to get tested and like hey i'm negative and this is great and look at me i'm self isolating with my mansion great you guys have the means, locations, own the property enough to self-isolate in a very comfortable fashion without needing to go through all, you know what I mean, with all mm-hmm. of this, where whereas you have people who, due to their socioeconomic status, live with many other people in mm-hmm. close quarters with other families and other people that are very close, where you can exponentially spread this highly contagious virus that is quite frankly very dangerous and these are typically people that are can't afford to be off work mm-hmm. and are very likely to spread the disease to their other co-workers the prioritization but here's my problem this, with this is insane and, and i am in 100 percent agreeance with you in that i think we're testing the wrong people but i i don't think that you and i sitting here have the ability to make that determination i'm not going to say that there should be a air quote impartial third party determining who is getting it. No, I think it's, the, it's a difficult call. It is because, you know, who determines, I, I, I think, you know, Tom Hanks, for instance, has just as much right to it as I do. Because again, if we're looking at the fact that a human versus a human versus a human, you know, we're all equal. Now, obviously there's, there's always going to be some disparity in that. What I don't like and what fucking pisses me off is the amount of time that the companies needed to wait petitioning mm-hmm. the FDA. And I can't remember if the Going CDC, through the bureaucracy of it. Yes. Going through the bullshit bureaucracy just to develop a fucking testing right. kit. I'm so, I, And I, I agree with you. You can't say who deserves it more than other, but there needs to be a certain level of prioritization. Again, for the people who are going to be in a position where it is spreading much faster. You know, check our healthcare work, care, health care workers on a regular basis, the people that, you know, you need in place. Well, you know, I, uh, I uh, don't here's, know. Here's a sticky one that I just thought of, and I know how much you like the sticky ones, but mm-hmm. as a society, let's say in the society I want to live in, and I don't think you can necessarily answer this because you and I have differing views of what we were at, but... Let's say you've got these people that are more at risk that, of course, can't afford the testing. Should the rest of society be forced to pay for these tests for the people that cannot in order to protect the rest of society? Be forced? Oh, you know, that that is a tough one. In order to protect the greater good? I mean, that justifies a lot of atrocities. Uh huh. Utilitarianism. Yeah, I think that's a very dangerous slope. Is the idea of it grand? Sure, but here, you know, the thing is, in in circumstances like this, I I think a lot of people discount the the greater good 
of others. Yeah, just like with the grocery store. That's yeah. why I'm tying this in. Right. You know, that there is, if, if that is a circumstance, you know, my gosh, we have more means of helping others today than we really ever have before, even from a mm-hmm. distance. You've got the GoFundMes. You've got the charitable contributions that you can make. especially You know, God knows how much everybody's saving right now, not going out and doing their normal social <laughs> Did you things. see, um, you, you're bringing up so um, crowdfunding. Chelsea Manning got released. And... They crowdfunded all of her legal bills and fines, and they were able to get, and I want to say it was almost a quarter of a million dollars, somewhere around there. And don't quote me on that, but I know it was substantial in two days. Mm-hmm. So that she could be released from jail. I know this is not corona-related, but it is related to the fact that there are some, there is some good that is coming out of this. Yeah. And... To answer my own question, I don't think the rest of society should necessarily be forced to pay for this testing, but I, I'm willing to bet that in a truly free society, at least a society that I would want to live in, it would be hard to not convince people to say, hey, you know what, when you're checking out today, you want to add an additional dollar, add two dollars uh, $2 to help test other people, mm-hmm. or like you said, crowdfund, because... Yep. It is in our individual best interest because the more people that are removed as um, infection vectors, the better off we all are and the safer potentially that we all are. This is the scary thing, though, you know, the the response to it. You know, it it took a little bit longer to hit here than other places. And we're in the Midwest. So, yeah, who the fuck wants to come here? Even just like here, I'm saying the U.S., in general, it, it was hitting places in Europe and, and China, and it was spreading. It, they had the opportunity to learn ahead of time, and even now the response is just uh, has severely lacked behind it. But, I mean, God, you look at places like South Korea, who uh, I think many would look at as not being as, quote-unquote, possibly as advanced in some ways, which I, I disagree with, but I was going to say that's then they don't know South Korea, right? They right. are kicking some serious. That's what I'm saying. I've been talking. The they are absolutely. It's one of those though where I don't think many people have paid quite as much attention to that, which and is look sad. at it as being more. Um, look at and I, I'm not trying to insert this, but this is a good good a place as any. Look at the difference between North and South Korea. Mm-hmm. There was a time. In the 50s, late 40s and the 50s, that was one country. You couldn't, I mean, the, the similarities almost don't even exist other than yeah. in language alone. Right. Just seeing the economic change and the change in the culture in South Korea when they got a taste of freedom. Yes. Especially economic freedom. Sorry, I'll get off No, you're fine. That, that's an interesting thing for another episode, I think. But again, I, I think people have such a narrow view and look at the U.S. and that whole America attitude as, you true. know, we're the best, we're the top. That's what I was referring to. And looking at everybody else as, oh, they must be behind where we are. But look at what they've done. You know, that those numbers alone on what they've been able to accomplish in such a short time versus where we're at now, where mm-hmm. we're looking at the numbers climbing. A, a week ago, there wasn't a state in the country that had above three figures in infections. New York State right now has over 12,000 in, in, inside of a week. Like, you know, if that's not saying something, I, I don't know what is. And we're still, you know, I, I'm la- chasing the trolley, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm laughing. And God, I, I'm a morbid son of a bitch sometimes. But I have to wonder if there's some conservatives out there that are gleefully watching these numbers. Because the places that are hardest hit have typically been democratic hotbeds. Now there's no correlation there. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that anything like it, but the places that are hit the hardest are typically your larger urban centers and larger urban centers typically have more democratic leanings Mm -hmm. because of the amount of poverty and the amount of government necessary to run these things. So you have to wonder if some of these people aren't, you know, wringing their hands and going, there's going to be less votes for Biden or Bernie, whoever it ends up being. Or maybe more. I don't know. Because they're... Des- but I mean, again, we're going back to the bipartisan thing. It's just, uh, you know, 
Am I personally scared of, of catching this? I think you are ridiculous if you don't have a level of... We're all going to get it or get right. vaccinated one way or the other. Right, in some form. For me personally, I, I worry about it. I'm asthmatic and this is a, a respiratory, heavily attacking respiratory virus. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I were to catch something like that, um, it scares me a lot. And I've got two small kids, you know, so children and, and elderly obviously are... Um, among um, I think primarily the elderly, which man, that's another thing in Florida too. That's a very high high exactly. retirement community, mm -hmm. and now you've got a massive horde of people who are just gonna mm -hmm. spread the love. Well, but, um, well, maybe now they'll be social security left for all of us. Sorry, I told you I was a morbid you are son a of morbid <laughs> son of a bitch. That is true. So you know, I don't know this whole thing with me. You know, I'm not looking at this as being something like from the film contagion or stephen king's the stand i mean this is not a, a you know a global it is a pandemic but it's it's not a, a pandemic but i mean this isn't like a 90 percent death rate it's not a Ebola. deal no um but but it is i mean if you're wanting to talk about trial runs for biological <laughs> you know contagions we're not scoring so high here and no, it's not. a frustrating thing to see and that's where all of this is coming from with me is is the venting on all these things that i'm looking at happening going my god you know learn from the circumstances around us take it you know remove some of those bureaucratic blocks that are preventing you know these private industries from being able to help What's funny, and you and I have talked about this, and I want to make sure that we address it with the um, listeners. If you follow the page and you've seen the memes flying through, but watching the government remove restraints from the private sector in order to get the private sector to a form the most efficient way possible, it, it's funny because it's like you are admitting that you know that you are putting limits on how the free markets could work. You are the same. And you're surprised? Of course they know. Uh, I'm, I'm more surprised that they're almost admitting it because they had to remove it. Like the Well, they're backed into a corner at this point. That's why. What do we got to do to keep them in that corner is going to be the next question. I, I hope, you know, out of, out of any of these emergencies, let's say it's Patriot Act coming out of 9-11, government does not relinquish power. Maybe we as the people need to no longer relinquish the power and say, fuck you. Like, here in the state of Kansas, Jesus Christ, you can get liquor curbside now. Mm -hmm. Just to keep these businesses afloat. That's the coolest flipping idea I've ever heard, and that's coming out of Kansas. Yep. Where we have some of the most restrictive, and not as bad as Utah and Oklahoma, but we have some of the most restrictive alcohol laws that are still out there. But seeing that... Government is removing some of these regulations that have been impeding us. Um, you know, we're all, we're sitting in a situation where there's not going to be any school for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think we're, you know, I think we're still the only state that's done that. Completely closed schools. Now, they didn't cancel the school year. Right, but they they're not going into education. school building right, anymore. Right, um, We've talked before, I have a, I have a friend that, that teaches, and I've kind of been texting back and forth, like, so what's the plan here? And the thing is... They're not requiring anybody to go in and you know, it doesn't count towards the grades, but they are making all of the materials available, making themselves available and opening up that online, you know, community learning factor, helping uh, if parents have questions and want materials and so on and so forth. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. In our neighborhood, we have um, one of our neighbors who's a teacher, another who homeschools mm -hmm. and... Um, it's, it's kind of cool. We all talk. So we, our kids are around the same age. And we've talked about, we each have two, <laughs> ironically enough, uh, but pairing up by the grade level to see where we can supplement and help each other. Mm -hmm. You got to imagine how much of that is going on right now where you have this community education that's kicked in. Be still my beating heart. Right? Suddenly, the American public is learning the value of being a prepper, of homeschooling of not relying on the government to provide these services that they stole the money for at gunpoint. Mm. 
How many people are going to remember this? I don't know. But I hope it's enough of a wake-up call for this generation and my generation, Gen X. I mean, we should be the people leading the charge here. We know better. We do know better. Well, I'm not a Gen Xer, so. I understand that. (laughs) I'm saying to the rest of them that are listening, because I know they're got to be out there, we're the most pessimistic assholes in the last probably 80 to 100 years. We distrust everything. And yet we're going out to vote. We're putting these people in power. We're allowing them to have power. Now is the time to seize it back. And with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. Again, um, I can't stress this enough. If you get the opportunity, check out Peace Freaks. I'm going to leave a link to their show in our show notes. We thank you spending for spending some time with us. As always, we really enjoy the opportunity to sit down with you. We wish we could do this more often. And... Who knows, if they do shut down the whole state, you may see a shit ton of episodes popping out because I guess as long as you and I can travel to each other's houses and actually record, we should be able to do that. Well, even but, then, I think we can go over the like that other apps and stuff to let us record. So Yeah, there's always Zoom, but I can't thank you guys enough. A lot of you have been rating and reviewing the podcast. We're seeing great growth. So from the bottom of my heart, I do thank you for every download, every review, every like. If you haven't subscribed or had a chance to do that, do us a favor. It only costs you about one minute of your time, and it will help us get our message out to everyone else. And with that, we'll see you next time. Later. You wanna